go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 693, which is important because all three of those numbers are divisible by three. Mm -hmm. 693. What are the odds? Not Um, very good. Well, I'm sure there's many numbers that are divisible by three. Uh, If it was 963, if it was 369, if it was 639. 396, perhaps? Yeah, so really... What's your relationship with the number three? You like three? I have three kids. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so today, first of all, it has been a long time since you and I recorded a podcast. Yeah. Because um, before we left for the Christmas holidays, we recorded two of them. Mm-hmm. And then last week's podcast was a replay of our mom's um and do you want to talk about what happened in your life last week, sweetie? Yeah, sure. So my mom, uh, I, I think I sh- been, had been sharing on the show, kind of. Um, my mom was diagnosed with dementia about uh, three or four years ago, um, not too long after my dad died. Um, and we, since that time, my sister, just like we did with my dad, we uh, supported my mom and cared for my mom. She was able to be um, she was able to care for herself for a while, but in the last year or two, it's been more of a, uh, family hands-on effort. And my mom, uh, right around the holidays really declined very quickly. And her birthday was January 3rd. She turned 82 years old. So we were able to, Todd and I were with her on her birthday and a lot of her friends came to visit, but that was probably the last day that was, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, somewhat normal. Yeah relatively speaking. And then my mom passed away on January 9th. Mm. Um, so it was, uh, not a shock. Um, always hard, you know, as everybody knows, even when you're preparing for something or even, you know, I've talked with a lot of friends who have had parents who have had dementia and you really end up, um, caregiving and loving a very different person. Um, my mom, who I grew up with and who my children knew as their grandmother, um, was no longer there. Um, what I will say though, is that my mom was still very kind Mm -hmm. and very loving. Like, you know, a lot of stories that I hear about when someone experiences, uh, unfortunately is dealing with dementia that they, there's a lot of anger Mm -hmm. or whatever. My mom just became a very quiet, peaceful person. And we just spent a lot of quiet time together. Um, she, so I very much loved this person that I've been, you know, with the last two years. Um, it, it was just different. And so the place I am right now is obviously, you know, it's my own grieving time. I don't need to share that with everybody. But I, the big thing that I'm doing right now is um, piecing back together all those, the, the mother of my childhood, the mother of my young adulthood, the mother of, you know, uh, the grandmother, and then also trying to put together the person I've been with the last year. So it's like, you're like, re- I'm reintegrating all these pieces of my mom. Um, and I don't know if that'll really make sense, but that's really the process I'm in right now is putting her back together. Well, and who she was before you ever met her. Like, it's funny with right. our parents, right. they have a whole life before right. we ever showed up. Exactly. And I, and it's weirdly, I think it's easy to forget that. Yeah. Like the first 20, think about the influence of the first 10, 20, 25 years of your life. Mm-hmm. And at funerals and when we celebrate somebody's life, we're focusing on what happened in the last 60 years. Let's say they're 80 years old. And they had a whole world of memories, experiences. And it's unfortunately like it's so far away. It's, so it's hard to even think about that. But think about 
the amount of friends your mom had between exactly. zero and 20. And it's just, um, yeah, it's just, a, and you know, it's an invitation for reflection. You know, and, and the, I'll say a few things about my mom. My mom, um, she, uh, just real briefly, she grew up in Rantoul, Illinois, which is central Illinois. When she was uh, a junior in high school, her family moved to Galena, Illinois, and a lot of people in 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 the state of Illinois know where Galena is because it's a kind of a um, vacation spot, a vacation spot, touristy spot. Um, but they moved there because my grandmother and grandfather opened a Ben Franklin store on Galena Main Street. And for those pe- for people who have been going to Galena a long time, they may know the Ben Franklin because it was right in the middle of the Main Street. Um, it's no longer Ben Franklin; it's now a um, uh, a sp- kind of a spa clothes shop, yeah. You know, um, Ellen Beck's, it's called, and then right next door to it, which was also part of the Glen- uh, the Ben Franklin was uh, Rocky Mountain yeah. chocolate. So, so we have a big, deep connection to Galena. Todd and I were married there. My grandparents obviously are buried there, and so that was my mom's hometown from her junior year in high school on. But my mom would tell you that that was a really tough move for her um, to move her junior year in high school. And that is part of the reason that she really wanted my sister and I to not ever have to move because she, as a kid at least, because that was really hard for her. She became a a teacher in DeKalb, Illinois, and um, that's where I grew up. And that's where she met my dad. My dad was also a teacher. They were, uh, they met on lunch duty together. Um, they were, <laughs> they got married very quickly. They knew each other for like three months, I think. Crazy. And then they got married and they lived in DeKalb and had my sister and I, my sister and I, you know, lived there our whole lives. And it was very easy to uh, live in DeKalb with my parents because my mom was a lot of people, most people's favorite teacher. And my dad did a lot of work in the education. He he moved up into more like administration, but he did a lot of work with students too. So everybody knew who my sister and I were. So it was, and in a good way, you know, like where we were very proud. So it was very lovely to, um, my parents were very easy to people to be with in that way. Um, and then she and my dad, my dad, uh, you know, had a stroke. He passed away, as you guys know, a few years ago. But my mom took care of my dad for about 17 years. So they lived in Florida for a while. They moved back to Galena. Then they moved to Geneva to be closer to my my family here in Elmhurst and my sisters in Batavia, Illinois. And so we were able to be with my mom throughout her whole life. Like, you know, that's one gift I have. My parents are no longer here, which is still kind of a, you know, Mm. I'm still in that days of that's such a strange thing to say. But my whole life was spent around them, you know, if not right next door, every holiday, you know, close proximity, um, and then the end of their lives for sure. So, um, I feel very grateful for that, and I will miss my mom very, very much, obviously, and I have another road. Grief is a road, um, and you just don't know where it's going to take you, and I think like dad, or dad, I think like Todd said, um, I've been going through her pictures because I'm getting ready for the service, and Todd's right. She had a whole life that was not, that I wasn't involved in mm-hmm. way before me, and um, and those are kind of the pieces I'm trying to bring together of this person. And um, and I appreciate everybody who sent me texts and emails and you know things on Facebook, Instagram. Thank you for all of that support. And for those of you who also have a parent or a loved one who's dealing with dementia, I really do... Um, I'm just sending you lots of good vibes, and I know uh, I'm going to write more about it, my experience with it, um, because I think there's a lot of things we can do to support ourselves and them that we don't talk about very much. Uh, But dementia is 
Todd, it's pretty common. Like I, oh, yeah. in my group of best friends, um, there's at least five or six of us that, you know, have a parent who's dealing with this. It's more common than I ever knew. Can you imagine a world where science gets to the point where we can figure that out and you just yeah. take a pill and some somebody's brain continues to work the way it was meant to work? Yeah. The FDA just approved something in the last month yeah. for Alzheimer's. My mom did not have Alzheimer's. She had something called Lewy body dementia. Um, it was, it had Parkinsonian features where she would shake. Um, so there's many different kinds. Yeah. Not everybody has Alzheimer's. There's other kinds of dementia, but, um, I, to you, from what you, you just said, like, yes, I look forward to that. And I, and I do a lot of reading. My sister and I both do about how to keep our, brains healthy. I mean, it's part of the reason I took up drums. It's mm. part of the reason I do Wordle every day. It's part of the reason that I love to write. I want, uh, there is no blame for when dementia occurs, but I do believe we can work a muscle mm -hmm. the best of our ability. And, and then, then the chips fall where they may, you know, we don't have control over everything, but, um, I just, you know, I, it's, you know, it's just another road. Like with my dad, I learned all about cardiovascular health and all about, you know, strokes and, and brains and, you know, and then you have another parent who has another thing. So you learn all these things on the fly. And, um, and so that'll, that'll be ongoing for yeah. a while, but again, thank you to everybody. And, uh, that has been going on. Um, yeah, what a nice dedication to your mom. Thank you for doing that. Yeah, yeah well, you, you talked about Galena, just so everybody knows. If you've seen the movie Field of Dreams, uh -huh. you've seen Galena, Illinois. Yeah. And it's the part of the movie where Kevin Costner's character, I think his name is Ray Kinsella. Ray Kinsella. Uh -huh. um, goes to find Dr. Moonlight Graham, mm -hmm. and it's played by Burt Lancaster. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of the small, cool town that all happened in Galena. Yeah. So. And where Field of Dreams is, is not too far from yeah, Galena. Yeah, it's like a 45-minute drive Yeah, we, like that. You know, it's, that's really, really close by. So yeah, it's a really lovely town. And, and then... To add to that, um, uh, so Todd and I are going to discuss today a lot of things about dealing with grief and dealing with taking care of each other. Um, I think we're going to title this podcast Adult Decision Making because Todd and I have had to do a lot of adult decision making in the last couple months. Um, while we've been dealing with my mom's decline over the last couple months, I also uh, in November um, went for my regular mammogram and found out that there was a problem, that my mammogram was not clear. And I had to go back in for another mammogram and then a biopsy. And then they did... What, ultrasound. Wasn't one of them an ultrasound or am I making There was a up? mammogram and then an ultrasound. Yeah. You know, if we're the, I know most of our audience is women. Um, and for those of you who are 40 and older who have had mammograms, you kind of know this process. And I have been getting mammograms since I was 40 every year, haven't missed a year. And my mom also did have breast cancer. Now she had a type of breast cancer called DCIS that was very contained and she had surgery and, and it was able to be dealt with pretty, you know, it, it quickly. Yeah. Um, and it was, it didn't impact her overall health in the long run. Um, she had that when she was 77. So I did kind of have some, you know, knowledge of how things can go, but I will tell you, I have been called back for second mammograms several times, but this was the first time that I've, it was really tough. Mm -hmm. Um, this was the first time where they were like, no, now we have to do the next step and now we have to do the next step. And so, you know, um, 
after getting the biopsy, they were pretty sure it was something benign. It was called an intraductal papilloma. And um, again, another part of health that I'm very well versed in now. Um, and what that means is that's a benign breast lesion. Um, they related it to like if you get a colonoscopy and you and there's a polyp, um, it's very similar. It's like having a polyp. And you know, my surgeon told me a number of times, there's nothing you did. This is just something that happens. You know, it's it's it doesn't it it just is. The the big butt they had on it is we also have to it is, you know, it's like someone who has a mammogram and then a biopsy and finds out, oh, it's just a fibroid. That just is left alone. They're like, okay, it's fine. But unfortunately, my version of this, it I did have to have surgery. So I had surgery about three days after my my mom passed away. Um and good news is the reason I'm able to share this, you know, on this podcast is they did, um, you know, a, did a whole pathology on it, pathology report, you know, the, another biopsy of it and everything's fine. It's all benign. Um, but, you know, I'll have to continue being very focused there in that area. And maybe I'll go into this more at another time, but I've always been very concerned about breast health. Um, Todd would let you know that every year when I get a mammogram. Not a good few days. It's not my favorite time. And I've always kind of had a fear in that area. Um, and I can't really explain to you why. I think some of it is connected to my mom, not her breast cancer from when she was 77. But when I was young, I remember my mom getting ma mammograms and they were a struggle for her too. She never really told me what was going on, but I have an energy around them that you're about to go get some kind of bad news. Obviously, that wasn't the case for most of the years. most of my a decade of getting mammograms. Even though I did get called back a lot, but they would always be like, "It's nothing, it's nothing." This was the first time where there was a, a lot of concern, and the fact that I was going to have to have surgery, and that they could, it was one of those things where they just could never tell me I was fine. They're like, "We did the biopsy; it might be okay, but maybe not." Um, okay, we did we did the pathology; it might be okay, but maybe not. And I kept having to. A yeah. lot of, it looks okay, but we still need to keep checking. Exactly. And so it was a bit of a, a, a road as far as my own health and mortality. Um, and I think one thing we decided because, um, you know, this has been the most um, uh, important experience in your breast health and how it rattled it, 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 it makes you and probably any other woman that when I think moving forward, assuming that you still do that every year, that I'm going to make sure I'm around. Yeah. Like, because I travel a lot for work. Uh, just because if by chance it's, you know, well, we got to double check. We have to go back in there. It's it's not an easy moment for you. Mm -mm. And uh, so I think that's one thing that we decided, isn't it? Like, all right, yeah. let's go around. Let's make sure that I'm not off doing something. And we really did decide, let's do this together. And Todd and I really, I had to go back to the doctor and to the hospital so much that Todd and I would do things like, he would he would go with me and then afterwards we'd go to our favorite breakfast place. And then one day, one time after my biopsy, we went and got our a pedicure together. Like we really tried to- You got a mani-pedi, I got a pedi. Todd got purple toenails. I did, um, they're awesome. But we tried to build a lot of- love around it. Like let's, you know, and I, I would say Todd taking care of me, you know, kind of like, let's don't do this alone and let's do some things to refill after, you know, getting all these testing and mammograms and surgeries. Let's do things to fill you back up so we can continue on, especially considering that 
you know, we're still raising kids and I'm still taking, I was still taking care of my mom. Like I had to keep going. Like you can't be like, you know, you can't, you can't, um, there wasn't much of a choice. Yeah. You, and so it's like, how can he support me? And that was one way we found to, to do that. I would also say that the caregivers that I've worked with for my own, I mean, I could go into a total two hour description of my mom's caregivers and how amazing they've been and helping us and hospice. And, oh, like I just, Maybe we'll save that for another time. Well, quick interjection regarding the people at your mom's uh, facility. Mm -hmm. Um, They were amazing. Uh Not perfect, but kind of amazing. They were human beings. And this, I I want to make sure that this comes out with equality, but I I get so touched when I see the male caregivers, which is so like, like, why are you more, why are you paying more attention to the, the men who are helping feed these elderly people or changing these elderly people. And I don't know, it's just because it's, they're like unicorns. Like there's not many guys out Mm -hmm. there that are doing that type of work. So I want to honor all of them and also am grateful for the men who step into these, you know, this is the wrong term, but I, I, pink jobs. Mm -hmm. I, I don't, I think that's a, the way some educators describe those, you know, nursing, teachers, all that stuff, more of the... Well, how about the, the caregiving field? Yeah. Because, you know, and again, I agree with you that language is used, but that separates us, right? So right. it's like there's men who choose to go into a field of caregiving yes. and, and whatever that may look like. Like, you know, I'm a social work teacher at a university and I always have two or three boy, men in my classroom among 25 women, you yeah. know? And so, but you're right. It's not as common. And one of the of the male nurses who would take care of my mom, he was just so, I in one of her last days, he said, I just want you to know that I take care of your mom the way I would my own mom. Mm. And just to say that yeah. to me. And I knew he was like, I, my sister and I were there all the time. Like we, we knew how the care was going and it was going very well. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like meaning that people were showing up for my mom in big ways. And, um, and they're just so beautiful people, you know, I, hospice is such a beautiful, mm-hmm. um, structure that we have in place, a, a beautiful, um, the, the people who are involved, it, you know, the amount of phone calls I got and reaching out and, um, I don't know, I just, I, I had days where I'd be with my mom and I'd be just fine. And then I'd leave and I'd be saying goodbye to the hospice people and the, the nursing staff. And I would start crying because of them, mm. you know, yeah. like they are such beautiful human beings. And I'm just so grateful to all of you in that field, anybody listening, like, I just want you to know that, especially just Todd and I right now, we really see you, mm. man. Like, it is not easy. Yeah. Um, and we just really love you very much. So thank you for that work. Um, but anyway, going back to my own health, uh, I really, Todd and I had to do a lot of adult decision making in the last couple months. And one of, there were some obvious things around, you know, things like finances and choices of what to do with my mom and choices of what to do with my own health and what we were going to do. But then it was also about how we were going to care for each other. And that's what we wanted to talk about because Todd and I have a history of, I'll just tell you about my weaknesses and strengths. One of my strengths is I am very, um, I am a mother at heart in, and what I mean by that is I'm very, it's easy for me to drop everything for other people. Um, you know, if something's going on with my kids, if something's going on with Todd, you know, my, my mom, my sister, anybody, I will be like, that is the only thing I'm supposed to be doing. And I will do that. 
I think a lot of people feel that way, not just mothers, but it's a very deep energy. My Enneagram number is a two. Caregiving is my thing. I see nothing more important than those people. Now, as, as beautiful as that sounds, and I, and I do have a lot of pride in that area, I will also tell you that my boundaries aren't as good in that area. Something that I'm working on in my own therapy is like, I'll give you an example that's very specific. If I'm about to go take a walk and one of my children says to me, can you help me with this? I will not go on my walk and instantly help them. That's not great. Right. And so something my therapist is helping me with, and I'll get, you know, stay on this, this specific thing is, hey, I'm about to go for a walk. When I get back, I'll help you. Now, that may sound like a no-brainer to a lot of people, but it's not for me. I have to learn that kind of and practice that kind of boundary because people assume that I am there. And and sometimes I have a hard time with, you know, I've talked before about my daughter, JC, always struggled when my face would look disappointed, um, you know, because, and that's how we learn to like write notes to each other instead of tell each other things face-to-face for a while. I also struggle with, I'm going to go on a walk and that person being like, oh, mm-hmm. I thought you were going to help me. Yeah. I struggle with people's disappointment too, because there's a self-worth issue in there that my worth is all based on making sure other people get their needs met. Um, you know, this is not a surprise. I'm a therapist. I'm a social worker. I'm a mom, you know, <laughs> like I'm a teacher, <laughs> like everything is about, a, you know, and so I have to deal with that. So that's my struggle. So Todd, do you want to share what your struggle is? Yeah. So, um, I am a man who was brought up to a lot of my identity that I have been conditioned to believe is, uh, my ability to make money, produce, um, make sure my family has a roof over their head, food on the table and all that. In addition to that conditioning, there's also a part of me, like I am, you know, this is why I like Enneagram because it's a framework. It's a framework. I'm a three on the Enneagram, which means I base my value based upon productivity and nurturing and productive. Can you be productive in nurturing? Of course you can, but usually it's my values based upon how others outside view me. Mm-hmm. Am I explaining that right? Yeah, yeah. You, you, your productivity, part of the drive of it is other people will experience you as a leader, yeah. as, as uh, stable, as dedicated, like d- things that Todd and I, and we'll, we'll dive into this a little more, but Todd and I struggle with things around like he's like, if you make a commitment, you fulfill that commitment no matter what. Right. And I'm making that voice because to me, that's ridiculous. I'm not saying we back out of commitments, but life gets in the way sometimes. Yeah. Things are not. And Todd is willing to like throw everything. If he's made a to commitment. To stay in my integrity of a verbal commitment that I gave to somebody because yeah. I had a meeting two weeks from Thursday yeah. or whatever it is. So the, his priorities get out of whack. His number one priority becomes, I said I'd do this, so I'm going to do it. Now, don't get me wrong. I respect for that. That, but there's room in that where you start to miss the bigger picture mm-hmm. of what's most important yeah. to you. So this is something that Todd and I have talked about for 20 years. Like this is not new business for he and I. Yeah. And for, um, so, so yeah, just to recap, Kathy's mom dies on Monday. Kathy has a surgery on Thursday and by no coincidence whatsoever, <laughs> um, I had, um, um, I've been working on this men's weekend that we do every year. Um, we had 42 guys signed up and it started on Thursday, the same day as Kathy's biopsy. 
And even when, <clears throat> so my date has been planned since whatever, March of 2022. Mm-hmm. So when the nurse called saying the first date we have available was the first date of my week, my men's weekend that I'm co-leading, there's a part of me is like, of course, of course it is. And let's back up a little bit. So if there is, uh, if, if, if we're going to let you into some of the tension that ever happens between Kathy and I, it's typically about that. I'm, I, I expend a lot of my energy into this organization that I'm the executive director of that I co-founded. And there have been many occasions where I have chosen that organization or a, a male friend instead of my family. So let's go back in time a little bit. This is something the re, we're going to really focus m- most of the energy here on this last week and, and how Todd and I got through it. But I want to give a little history. Uh, people who know about Todd and my relationship, if you've listened to any of our interviews that we've done about when we first got together, the thing that kept us apart was Todd was very invested in his friends. Mm-hmm. Again, something beautiful, as am I. I'm very invested in my friends, but his went to a level of like, I'm not sure I want to be married Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Like this is who I want to be with. So that's always been a kind of a thing with Todd and I, with our history. It was like, you know, is it me or is it them? Even though I wasn't giving any ultimatum, he just couldn't like... I jump think in. he couldn't jump in. So that's a part of our history. And we talked about that in the interview with Dr. Solomon. Dr. Solomon. So we should put that under. Yeah, I'll put that in the yeah. show notes. So Kathy and I got interviewed by Dr. Alexander Solomon, and we get into great detail about that very About topic. our history. Yeah. So so that's a piece of our history that we've had to contend with. Mm-hmm. And then we've had all these things along the way, like I'll just give a few of them. Uh, one time I was very sick. I had strep throat for about two weeks. Like I was very sick, like taking steroids. This is in my 20s when we were together and living together. And he, while I was sick, he not only needed, felt the need to go to work, but he also like had a bachelor party and all these things with guys. And he was, I could tell he was frustrated that I was sick and needed help. Because you were messing up my plans. Yeah. It was my brother's bachelor party and I was whatever, 29 years old. I don't know how old I was. And I'm like, well, you're sick and I'll see you later tonight. But, and you called me because you went from sick to super sick. Yeah. And I bailed early, but the reason I bailed early is because he said, I need you home, get get home. So it was not my decision. It was you saying, this is going from bad to worse and I need some help. I remember we even called Dr. Gappin. Yeah, we were, I was very Because sick. you thought mm-hmm. you needed to go to the ER yeah. and Gappin was on the phone and he asked you like to raise your head to make sure it wasn't meningitis yeah. because I think that's one of the signs of meningitis if it hurts if you raise your head. And it turned out you were just really super sick. And then, um, you know, there were some obviously instances after we had children, you know, like where I was nursing, I was by myself and Todd would go to weddings without me and party. And then a few times, one of the, one of my favorites is I had a breast infection due to nursing and I, you know, I was a new mom with JC and Todd went to a wedding and he kept butt dialing me through uh, while he was dancing and I could hear dancing queen in the background and I was like, oh my God, like, why am I here in bed with a breast infection, nursing a baby and you're partying? Sweetie, that was my <laughs> unconscious way of reaching out to you. I was just trying to connect. So that was another one. Then there was, we have so many well, of these. Well, let me say the big one. Okay. What's the big so one? So I was okay. on a, and you know what the big one is. I know. Um, uh, Kathy's dad was, um, you know, he's just been in and out of hospitals forever and he fell. Mm-hmm. And I A w- big fall. A big fall. Mm-hmm. Big fall blood, everything. And I was on my first Mankind Project weekend where I was staffing it. I had a lot of responsibility. 
And on the weekend, I got a voicemail from you saying, my dad fell. It was like a crime scene at the house. I was having to clean it up. You were having to clean it up. And, you know, this is me just being very vulnerable on this podcast. I, you know, if I'm being completely open and transparent, I was hoping to get a voicemail so I wouldn't have to have a conversation with you. And I was, quote unquote, lucky enough to get that voicemail. And I said something very minimizing, like, I'm sure your dad's going to be fine. He's a We've survivor. We've done this before, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. I'll see you when I get home on Sunday. And it was probably, I don't, one of the worst decisions in our marriage because it's it was at a point when you most needed me and I chose this other commitment. Because you had made a commitment. Because I made That's a commitment. That's what Todd would always say. I'd made a commitment. They're expecting me. Right. And so we had to have big talks after that. And it wasn't like, and it's interesting because I want to bring myself into this, is the reason that Todd and I struggle with these things, it's not because he's always making the wrong decision. It's that my weakness is, um, the, the place I'm challenged is I do not want to tell someone to come take care of me. Because then it's, yeah, go ahead. Because I am taking care of other people and I don't like to be seen that way. A lot of my child, and I know a lot of us are like, I don't want to ask for help. I, I'm not saying I'm that much different, but I really believe my, I don't feel worthy enough sometimes to be saying, come, I need help. I, I want someone to want to do that. So the, the, (laughs) we were talking about the breakup this morning, the, the movie, the breakup and, you know, the scene of, um, Vince Vaughn, you don't have to play it, Todd, but Vince Vaughn is, you know, saying, I got you some lemon or no, no, it wasn't the lemon scene. It was, you know, she's like, I just want you to help me clean the kitchen. And, and then he's finally like, fine, I'll, I'll clean the kitchen. She's like, no. Here, I got I, it right here, sweetie. It's perfect. Okay. I all care. Right. All right. I care. I busted my ass all day cleaning this house and then cooking that meal. And I worked today. It would be nice if you said thank you and helped me with the dishes. Fine. I'll help you do the damn dishes. Oh, come on. You know what? No, that's see, that's not what I want. You just said that you want me to help you do the dishes. I want you to, to want, want to do the dishes. Right. Why? But I want to do dishes. Why? See, that's my whole point. And it goes on. It's a wonderful scene. So I want Todd to want to stay home. I'm not going to say to him, you need to stay home and help me because that's a struggle in itself for me already is to ask people for help. I want him to say, not only do I want to stay home, but that's the place I'm supposed to be, Kathy. I help you. And 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 I I do that, meaning like that's the way I feel like I show up, you know, and again, I'm sure I've made blunders there too. I haven't done it perfectly. But if someone says I need you, I will drop everything. That's just kind of... I used to, I remember like when I used to work, <laughs> I used to work at NIU, this is a long time ago in my twenties before Todd or whatever. And I, 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 this is funny, this involves my mom. I remember my mom saying, so what's your favorite part of work? And I used to, you know, work in grant funding and all these things. And, and I said, my favorite part of work is when my friends call me and really need my help with something and I can spend an hour talking to them. She's like, well, that's not work. That's somebody. And I was like, I know, but that's my favorite part of the day. Like, is someone will call and say, can you help me through this? Obviously, that's when I went to school to become a social worker. Hello. But I was, that was my, that is what makes me feel in myself. And then again, I have to set boundaries, blah, blah, blah. I'm not, it's, that's not a, perf- I don't have that down to a science yet. But so I want Todd to want to do that for me. And I don't want to have to ask. So we've had all these things. So when. So real quick. Yeah. Um, so 
I, we did a podcast a long time ago with David Brooks, and it was about your loves being your loves in order. Being in order, yeah. And at some of the most crucial moments of our relationship, some of the time my loves are way out of order. Mm-hmm. And that last story I just said. So, anyways, when I left that voicemail, I did not. I actually did come home a day early, but it was more because. I felt like I was going to get in trouble. Right. right. And one thing I did is when he left that voicemail, I knew he wasn't going to help. And yeah. so I stopped calling him and yeah. not to be like, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. You, it, was it, a, it was a self-protection It was self-protection. Thing. That's what I do is, and, and Todd will agree with this, if he is unavailable, I go in, you go in and I get things done. And I am not, he is, he's out of the loop. Mm-hmm. And he'll be like, well, what's going on? I'm like, dude, if you're not in, then just let me handle it. Like it, this can be in parenting. This, I think a lot of women who I have worked with and talked to who have parents or have a spouse who travels for work, they really understand this, is that you just have to be on a different kind of mode and you don't have time or energy to catch the other person up. Yeah. It's like you're either in or out. And so we have a lot of that because Todd travels for work. And so we have so much history with this decision-making, adult decision-making, and also dealing with our own wounds. That's why I'm bringing up my issues right. with asking for help and him needing to demonstrate that he's a leader who never disappoints the men in his field. Like, mm-hmm. and, and even the way I say it, you can tell how I feel about sure. it because it frustrates me sometimes. I'm like, so you're okay with disappointing me, mm-hmm. but you're not okay with disappointing these men you don't even know. So, and here is the, like, this is, this is not a correct way of like I'm I'm Kathy and I are very in a very good place right oh, now. Yeah. So I feel yeah, like yeah, I yeah. can say this. We have a lot of space. But when we when we drop below the line, when we get defensive, we start rationalizing, right? Right. And my rationalization during those moments of of where I screwed up, like the thing with your dad falling, I justify it. And the way I justify it is this. Most of the time, my love, my priorities of love are in order. Like most of the time, we're together, we're connecting, we're loving on each other. I'm a good dad, all that other stuff. What's weird is in the most important moments where I need to show up and make sure my loves are in order, they're not. Right. And so, and I think my rationalization is like, but I've made all the other good decisions. So just let me make this one bad decision. And the one bad decision is a colossally bad decision because it's a crisis. And this last Thursday was a crisis. Mm-hmm. So let's fast forward. Okay. So it's last Thursday. All I'm supposed to be in Wisconsin at like 10 a.m. or whatever it is. Well, can like, we back up sure, to the phone ahead. call is that like Todd said, I had my bi- my biopsy. I met with my surgeon and they said, yes, you're going to have to have surgery. It, she's like, you're not going to be able to get it for about a month, which was hard enough. I was like, oh, geez, I got to wait. But so she said, we'll get you in as soon as we can. So I get the phone call. She said the first available surgical appointment is January 12th. And I look at Todd and he goes, he shook his head like, no, don't take that because he had his men's weekend. And so I go, okay, do you have another appointment? And she goes, well, January 26th. I go, okay, I'll take that. I hung up the phone and I looked at Todd. I go, no, Mm -hmm. I'm not waiting two extra weeks to get surgery so you can go on your weekend. I'll do it by myself. I said, I'll call my sister. She'll come. Actually, I didn't say I'll do it by myself. I said, I'll call my sister. She'll come. And so I called them back. I didn't even wait for your response. And I said, I, I take that back. I'll take January 12th. 
and I and you totally understood. I like, totally understood. And I was hoping when I said, is there any other dates available? They'd say, well, how about Tuesday instead of Thursday? Right. right. And they said, no, it's going to be two weeks. And I know you well enough to know that That's if something needs to happen mm-hmm. and your your miscarriages are the best evidence of that, like when our babies miscarried, like you needed the DNC immediately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's just the way you're built. Mm-hmm. So you want to address this challenge as early as possible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So anyway, so yeah, when they said January 26th, I'm like, all right, this is, we got to, you said, I mean, to your point, you called him back and like, nope, nope. we're going to do it on the 12th. I'm taking that appointment. So I took the appointment and I looked at him and I said, well, you know, I go Todd. And so Todd said about 20 minutes ago on this podcast, he said, it's no coincidence at all that it'd be January 12th, meaning that it is a coincidence, but it also is the, the the lesson that comes to Todd and I over and over again. It was is, designed. It was designed for us. The universe designed <laughs> this for me to make another decision. And for me to yeah. make another decision, right. which is what are you going to ask for, Kathy? What do you need? Yeah. And we both, so it's not just him. It's not always Todd messing up. It's about me standing up yeah. and saying, listen, this is kind of a big deal, mm-hmm. like to me. And, and and little did we know my mom was going to pass away the Monday before. Right. Like there was a few things going on. and But we had really good, com- I mean, like, I I think, you know, we Todd and I just got back from a walk and we kind of talked through the whole thing now that we've gotten through it. And w- the decision he made is what I know for sure. He said, what I know for sure is when you have that surgery, I will be with you. Mm-hmm. It, depending on what time it is, I may leave. Later that day. Later that day. To see how you're doing. Yeah, he said, but we don't know how it'll look. Yeah, like if you're doing, you know, colonoscopy or something like that, which is... It's no big deal. It's anesthesia, yeah. but a few hours later, this was... A as, later. And, and I didn't know what we were up against, and neither did you. Really, like, what was that day going to look like? And one thing that we didn't know about this specific kind of breast surgery is it's actually two surgeries. You have to first get a surgery to pinpoint the area. That's a whole thing. And then you have this, the surgery under anesthesia. So it's kind of a long day. Um, and so... At some point, so that was our plan. Well, and and what you want from me is, because what our history, our pattern in the Mm -hmm. past is, just tell me, you know, this is a really weak statement, but I'll say it anyways. Just tell me what I can get away with. You know, like, tell me what to do. Tell me how much I have to do. Tell me how much I have to do. (laughs) And that is, talk about a turnoff. I can only imagine how depleted of a feeling you would get by saying, and I didn't say that, but no. I have said that in the past, either mm-hmm. through my words, my actions, my behaviors, my thoughts, my my energy, my body movement. You mm-hmm. could just feel could tell. what's yeah. going on. Mm-hmm. And I have I have done a lot of those things. Like just 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 bless me so I can go feel good about whatever it is mm-hmm. I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And what I've what I'm now realizing as a 50 year old man. I'm now starting to get it. Am I going to make more mistakes? Of course I am. Uh, But I am starting to get like, I don't want to like ask Kathy what I can get away with. I'm going to make a decision that I think is best for myself, my family, like the whole whole situation. And um, so what I ended up deciding to do, am I skipping too far ahead here? No, you're fine. So the surgery was a pretty big deal. (laughs) Kathy was totally out of it. Um, you know, we have two kids still at home. Um, the one is supposed to, has been dying for Invisalign to, um, to arrive at the dentist's office. It just so happened it was that afternoon that she needed to, that she needed to get it. And, um, and the kitchen was a mess and lunches weren't made and you were down and out. 
And I decided actually midway through that morning, I was going to stay with you for the day and maybe maybe longer um, because you were out of it until like six or seven that night. You got home by what, one or two? Mm-hmm. Uh, but you were still, you were sleeping like like a rock for six or seven hours after that. Mm-hmm. You you were not yourself. The anesthesia was still in your system. I think they even said it stays in you for 24, 24 hours. Yeah. Uh, but at night you started... Um, acting a little more normally. I mean, you're in bed the whole time mm-hmm. watching Friends, 45 episodes of Teen Friends. Wolf. Teen Wolf. I pulled up Teen Wolf, Boof, Styles. Um, I called your sister and I, you know, I was, so my intention was to leave Friday morning. I called your sister. I said, would you visit Kathy tomorrow? Cause I'm going to leave for Wisconsin. She said, absolutely. Um, I called Jess because mm-hmm. I knew she was coming on Saturday. I said, can you check in on Kathy on Saturday? Like I was trying. Called Manisha to come to get Skylar. Like Todd was making plans to make sure that everybody was. Yeah, I was trying to get everybody's needs met, including my own. Right. Like there was, there was a version of my own needs because I really wanted to go on the weekend. Mm-hmm. And it's something I've been planning for. It's, it's, it's one of my favorite weekends of the year. And for me to, so, you know, I, did I make the right decision? I feel like I did. Some other people might be judging me, which is fine. You can judge all you want that I should have been there the whole weekend. But the minute you started acting normally Thursday night, I'm like, I think I'm. I think this is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like you only you can answer this, sweetie, that it was okay. Yeah, I think it was. I really feel. I think it because there is no right or wrong. It's not like if you stay 24 hours, you're right. If you stay 12, you're wrong. It, and it's not me deciding and judging Todd. I think what the reason you and I feel good about it is on Friday, I, I don't fully remember this, but I think you told me that we were driving home and I was way out of it. And you said, I've decided to stay all day. And I said, don't even talk to me. I said something like, I don't even want to be involved you in this You said, I don't have the making. energy to argue. And I was, yeah. not, I was saying, I was, I was trying to be clear. Yeah. Kathy, this is what I'm doing. Not mm-hmm. like, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Can I go? Can I not go? I'm said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay here tonight. Mm-hmm. That's what I've decided. And I was kind of like, that's fine. I'm out. Yeah. Like, just I don't involve me in this decision. Don't. I don't want to make you feel better about it. I also don't want to pat you on the back about it. Yeah. Just you make your decision. Right. And do whatever you want to do. The I think that's kind of the thing is that the talk we had on the way is. I totally own the fact that I have to be clear about what I need, and I definitely needed help that day. Um, and in my hope, and and I'm also I'm already seeing this in Todd, just in age and conversation, and him being a parent, is that also can you bring up some of that mother energy? Because a lot of times when he'll explain why he did something, he'll say, "Well, I felt good about this, and I felt good about this," and I said, "Leave yourself out of it." What does someone else need? Mm-hmm. And it's not about you feeling good about it all the time. It's about putting someone before you in this moment. So I'm writing the word down right now, sacrifice. Yes. But even that's a loaded term. I know, Todd. Because and, if I'm like, all right, I'll sacrifice. Like, no, Todd, there should be no sacrifice. And I'm not saying that, that I felt that way, but the whole idea of like put others in front of your, put others' needs in front of your own needs. This is a time where I needed to put your needs in front of my needs. And I and I think I did that in a healthy way, but just that term sacrifice. And I brought it up. You didn't. I want to be clear. Right. Like, I don't think you want me to say, oh, I'll sacrifice. Like, no, dude, you you want to buy the it. lemons or you want to wash the dishes. And the thing is, is the reason I'm saying just do it is because 
I, and again, I'm going to use the word, I'm going to big use the big general topic of mother energy because I think a lot, all genders can do this. This is not a woman thing. Yeah, it's, it's feminine. It's, it's, it's feminine energy. Yeah. And all of us have it. There is a lot of that that happens, like giving your body when you're pregnant, giving your body when you are nursing, giving yourself to a child, giving yourself to a partner, giving yourself to your parents who are sick. You don't say to yourself, well, I feel pretty good about this. You just do it. And it's an energy that sometimes I want Todd to, he can't, I don't want him to sacrifice all the time. I need him to also stand up for himself and do his work. And we need all these aspects of ourselves. But when I am down and out and struggling, um, what I want him to do is not say, what What do I feel I would feel good about? I want him to say, I will take care of you. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it might hurt here, there, or the other, but you're not going to hear about it because my, it, some parents do this, but we don't say to our kids, yeah, I had to give up this and this and this and this for you. We just do it. It's like the sun giving the earth warmth. We don't say to, the sun doesn't say, now thank me for it. It just does it. And everybody, no matter what gender, gender needs some of that. Mm-hmm. And they also need to stand up for themselves and ask for help. And we, it's not, sacrifice is, a, is one piece of being a human being. But that's kind of the thing with Todd is, Sometimes I think when he has historically missed a men's weekend or missed a bachelor party or missed going to see a friend for coffee because I needed help, he's like, well, and he may not have said these words, but the energy I get from him is, wow, I really had to sacrifice for this. And I'm like, dude, notice, right. And I'm like, dude, that's my life. Yeah. And, and, and I, and I don't need you to pat me on the back for it, but I also am not going to give you a medal for it. Right. There's like a, we're both doing this at the same time. It's kind of like when I used to clean the kitchen, I'd be like, how about that kitchen I just cleaned? You're like, like, that is... And you'd really? be like, what about the 99 times <laughs> that I've cleaned it? Like, you, and that's where I kind of sometimes like the whole fragile male ego, which I, I shouldn't talk about the fragile male. No, my, people won't like that. My yeah. ego, mm-hmm. I need to be patted on the back for certain things. Mm-hmm. And I have a feeling there's some listeners out there that might feel the same way. And this is what the definition of emotional labor is, right? You're doing things and people aren't seeing it and they think things are smooth because they're just smooth when really you're the one making them smooth, but you're not telling anyone what you're doing. You're just doing it. Yeah. That is, it's invisible labor, et cetera. And, and the thing is, is my history is to then be somewhat passive aggressive or to be a little more quiet or to be a little more shut down. And that's unhealthy too. Like that's not... Um, first of all, Todd can't stand that. That's like his Achilles. It makes yeah, him feel a lot like a little of discomfort. Boy. My nervous system gets all stirred up. Yeah. So I really don't. I mean, I don't know if I've done that in um, years. Well, on but... Wednesday night, I, I didn't feel that from you. No. It's funny. Wednesday night was interesting. So it was the night before the surgery. Uh huh. And we went out to dinner with your family. Yep, that was and good. I ran over, over to Kevin's house. Mm-hmm, that was fine. And when I came home, you, I feel like you were armoring up. Yes, I was. <clears throat> and I don't know how much that had to do with me or you're about to step into no. battle tomorrow. I said to you, I'm not angry at you. You said, you said that? Exactly. I just need to, don't ask me anything. Right. Because I am armoring up. I have surgery at 630 in the morning. I am going, and ar- armoring up for me means I am now taking it in. Yeah. I need to go to bed and because in the morning I have to do this thing and find out if I have anything wrong with me. And that's a lot of vulnerability. And so please don't come to bed and need anything from mm-hmm. me. Just I'm, I would, those are the moments that I miss living by myself Yeah, because, you know, there was a time that I had my own apartment. I could leave people and go do my own thing. And you can just shut down without explaining to people why you're shutting down. Yeah, and I feel like if I could have done that, I think I'd, I'd give myself whatever, a B plus on how I handled last week's situation. 
situation, I think an A would have been an earlier decision for me to tell you unequivocally, I'm going to be with you at at least until Friday morning. And when you woke up up on Thursday, you didn't know whether or not I was going to be there that night. Mm -mm. So I I want to bless myself for for doing better than I did before. And I think I could have done it better than I did. I think we feel pretty good about it. Like, I think it was, I have no residual annoyance. I think we talked through everything. Um, And, um, and and I'm just so grateful. I I was very happy to send, once I got my pathology report on Friday and it said, yeah, it was an introductory papilloma. It's a benign thing. They still needed to get it out. It was a good idea, but you don't have to, you know, Mm -hmm. that's the path we're on now. I was very happy to send that to Todd and say, have a good weekend. We're good. Like I was not, um, you know, that was good. And so, you know, and, and I'm still not complete. I'm still in a weird place because of my own, my loss of my mom. Like things are just not normal, but I think we, um, you know, I know we're ending here. Um, I feel good, Todd. I I feel good too. And I'm, yeah, it's just, you know, um, as I'm just thinking like the loves. So like, if I wanted to wrap this up for me and anybody else who might be connecting with my story, my hope for myself is to keep my loves in order at the most important times. Yeah, those Be- crisis moments. Because yeah. that has been, and like, and that has been some of my biggest learning experiences. Yeah. I guess I'm going to say screw ups, but I'll call them learning yeah. experiences. Because most of the time, my loves are in order. Uh, it's just the universe continues to say, "Okay, what about this time? Right. Let's see how you do." And we're Todd and I are also aware that we don't believe in a universe that is constantly testing us. Right. I don't, but we just see it for what it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, is it a here's another opportunity. opportunity. Yeah, here you go. And and I also, I think we're kind of learning our path with it where I am able to say to him, "I know." even without knowing what was going to happen with my mom, I know that that day will be hard. Mm -hmm. So I just want you to know that. And then I have to allow you to make your own decision here because I am not going to be the one who lets you off the hook or who tells you to stay home and then you're going to blame me for that. Like this has to be coming from you. But what I will tell you is I need help. And then you do with that whatever you want. Yeah. Um, okay, so in closing, we do want to share with you all uh, Team Zen oh, Circle. Team Zen Circle. And we're going to do it as concisely as we can. Okay. What is it, sweetie? Team Zen Circle is our virtual community. We now have an app. We have an app. And we also have a um, a, web, a site like that you can you know yeah. reach on your laptop. But where we have everything that we do, um, all of our podcasts, all of our pop culturing, all of my Zen parenting moments, all of our events, it's all there. Plus... All of these team Zen activities we have, our typical Zen talk, our support talks where we offer Q&A, our guest speakers. We had um, Jason Gaddis last week, author of Getting to Zero and uh, you know, podcast host of The Relationship School. We have w- once a month, we have somebody. And then we have all these micro communities. I'm starting a women's group. Um, so I get so many emails from people about... Are you still doing your women's group? Women's circle is what I did here in Elmhurst. And that was, it was a circle because we were together in person. This is a virtual women's group. But if you wanted a women's group, join Team Zen and it's starting in February. Mm -hmm. But jump in and you'll get access to all these other things we offer, resources, community. So we now have it all in one place. We're so excited. And we're off Facebook. Thank goodness. Now it's just the app. And uh, it's 25 bucks a month. Yep. 
So I'm hoping that you all consider. Oh, and uh, I have some T-shirts and some swag left. So I'm going to give it to any new Team Zen members who sign up as long as supplies last. Awesome. And then don't forget about Jeremy Craft. He's a bald head of beauty, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. 6309, 6305, oh my God, my my brain. 6309561800. They're brains. I've been saying that every week (laughs) for 12 years. I forgot. Uh, Avidco.net. So, um, yeah, with that, I think I bid you all adieu. Thanks, everybody, for listening to our processing. Um, And good luck or um, sending you lots of good vibes with your own adult decision making. I know we're all struggling with our own things, but as long as we can communicate and talk about it and, you know, bring our true needs forward, um, we'll find our way. Keep trucking. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are always grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen, pre-ordering Kathy's Zen Parenting book, or subscribing to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com. If you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we will talk to you again next week.